Sound Design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live. I am your host, Nathan Lively, and today I am speaking with a pro audio recruitment consultant, consultant. named Paul Griffiths. Uh, so your title at Wilson Orange is Talent Acquisition Manager. Could you talk about your responsibilities there and give us an idea of what services your company offers? Of course. Well, I mean, the title Talent Acquisition Manager is effectively just a spin on sort of recruitment consultant or sort of recruitment manager. Um, essentially, um, Wilson Orange is an agency and sort of myself as a, as a hands-on recruiter. We are entertainment and event technology recruitment specialists. So we work with um, pro audio companies, lighting companies, um, people that are generally members of Plaza uh, or could be eligible for members of, to be members of Plaza to help them recruit into their sales, marketing, research and development teams, their engineering teams. So this would include positions like DSP engineers, embedded and higher level software developers, technical support, um, hardware design, PCB design engineers, FPGA engineers, electronic engineers. It could include field engineers, service and repair engineers, um, generally anything associated with the, you know, the professional lighting sort of and sound um, industries. Okay. Well, from taking a look at your blog and from what you said just now, it sounds like you hire uh, a lot of fields that are a little bit out of the scope of, of what my listeners normally do, but I think they would be interested in them in the future and might be interested in moving into them now. I, I know I might be interested in those in the future, maybe when I get tired of contracting. Do you think it's possible for people like me to move laterally within the pro audio field? That is, as a sound designer and audio technician, could I apply for a job as a product manager or a sales manager? Do, do those responsibilities um, overlap at all, or would my experience help me out in that field? Absolutely, is the answer. Um, as a recruiter, I see many, many resumes, um, as you guys call them over there, of, uh, yes. of people that have started you know, as front of house, sound engineers, or have worked in studios, and then through opportunity and sort of drive, have then moved into maybe one of the positions that I mentioned a little earlier. And that happens more often than not. It's a question, I think, of finding the right opportunity, the right employer, and having the right resume. For example, if you are a sound designer and you are maybe looking at a product management opportunity, then absolutely, you have the technical skills to do that, without a doubt. However, a product manager isn't just a sound designer. You know, they have other skills. You know, they need to understand marketing. You know, arguably they have to understand product development. They have to have, you know, a sales edge to them. So as long as your mix of personality and skills and experience encompass the core competencies that are required by the role that you're looking at, then absolutely, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to move into that type of role in the future. What it does need, though, is certainly an employer that is flexible in that respect, that is willing to take someone that maybe isn't working as a product manager um, previously. And of course, the right resume that shows the skills and experiences that you have that are applicable to the role that you're applying for. If you send a sound designer 
resume for a product manager role showing what you've done as a sound designer, it's really probably not going to have the right impact. But if you send a sound designer resume with a profile that highlights your communication skills, your marketing experience, any sales experience that you have, then the reader at that employer or that recruitment agency can think, wow, you know, this guy has the fundamental template that we need. He has the core competencies to do this role. And all of a sudden, you become far more viable. So the answer is yes, but you need, I think, to have the, you know, the right resume and the right conditions to do it. That makes sense. Well, can we talk about a few more examples? Could we consider, for example, someone who has worked in front of house most of their career and is considering moving into a different position, um, more like a product manager or sales manager position, and maybe they don't have uh, hardly any marketing experience except for the marketing they've done for themselves to get themselves more work in front of house in concerts and in theater. Um, could you talk about some ways that they could play up their experience in the performing arts and sort of um, talk about how is it possible that they could get into that and then learn the other skills necessary? Or do you think some other training is necessary before they could get that job? I think it's a big area. And I think it really does depend on you know the, the job seeker's background and the employer you know some employers you know have larger teams you know they can allow a period where you know the 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 new incumbent has you know has has time to learn and sort of get up to speed others you know they have more urgent pressing requirements you know and they need that person to be effective from day one so it's it's a big area but i'm more than happy to give another example maybe of a slightly different scenario and this is certainly one that we've been recruiting for actively recently. And that's in the area of technical support. If you have, for example, a guitar amp manufacturer um, that provide technical support to um, distributors, to bands or, or whoever, that person that's providing technical support needs to understand the technology. You know, they're probably a guitar player themselves or they probably, if you were, yeah, a guitar player themselves, to give this example. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, you have someone who maybe plays in a band that can move into this type of industry. Or, for example, you know, maybe you have someone who's working front of house, that they, they've been working very much on, I don't know, Allen and Heath desks or Midas desks or, or whatever it might be. All of a sudden then, working for a large distributor or working for one of these manufacturers providing in-house technical support for these products, i.e. receiving calls from distributors and other sound engineers that are having problems with the systems, that is a very, very achievable type of job because you have the skills. You know, you sit there, you can empathize with, you know, the person on the end of the phone. Yes, I can understand the problem. In fact, I've had this problem before mm -hmm. and this is how I overcome it. So for the right opportunity, a lot of the skills that um, your listeners will have will be very, very transferable. It's just a question of making sure that the right skills are highlighted to the right people. You can find relevant links and more information about today's interview by using the search box on sounddesignlive.com. While you're there, Pick up the Sound Design Live ebook with the best material from my first two years of interviews with audio industry leaders. Ooh, 
talk about some other positions that are maybe not so common that we haven't mentioned yet that people could consider themselves for? I, I ask that because I feel like um, a lot of times when people think of jobs in pro audio, the first thing they think of is front of house at concerts. And it took me many years to learn that there are so many other jobs um, that are really fun. And I didn't learn about theater, for example, until pretty far into my career. And then there's lots of other things like broadcast and AV technician that I just didn't know about until I actually tried them. So you know about a lot of positions that I don't know about. Could you talk about some of those that you think people should be aware of? It's really a question of the skills that you have. And I think it's what we all have to do is, is, is really look at ourselves you know, and be honest with the skills that we have. Mm-hmm. There's no point being a front of house engineer applying for a sales manager job if you have difficulty engaging with people, you know, if you have difficulty selling or, you know, you don't have that sort of confidence because it's never going to happen. But if you're a front of house engineer and all of a sudden you want to work maybe in broadcast, you know, using larger format consoles or if you want to go into a technical support role, as I've already given an example of, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the make it, I think it's all about just having a common sense approach to the skills that you have, thinking about the roles, you know, that are out there and then thinking about, okay, well, how do our core competencies match? And if there's a role there that covers most of what I'm doing, I can apply for it. Um, the good thing about websites and Google and I guess our own sort of uh, website, wilsonorange.com, is that people can go on to these sites they can look at the jobs that are being advertised and they they can get a feel for what alternatives could be out there and i think uh core competencies is a good is good language to remember because that's how you want to probably talk to people when you get an interview or talk to recruiters is to highlight the core competencies that overlap between all the experience that you've had and the new field that you want to move into because if you don't have 10 years of experience in marketing, um, it's a little bit, you, you have to tell a story. You have to tell a story about what you've done that um, involved marketing in your past. Absolutely, absolutely. But sometimes you have to be a little bit creative. And I don't mean that you should lie. You should never lie about your experience. But what I mean is that, for example, you know, if you're applying for a support position, a lot of companies would look for somebody with, previous customer service experience. Now, what is customer service? You know, that is arguably dealing with the public and providing, you know, good customer service and having a strong service ethic, treating people how you would want to be treated yourself. Now, people wouldn't necessarily put front of house or sound engineers, you know, in a customer service sort of pigeonhole. But a lot of the skills that you learn in terms of dealing with um, highly emotional, charged people, in demanding sort of environments that are rapidly changing. A lot of the skills and qualities that you hone in that type of environment can apply to a customer service type environment elsewhere. So you're right, core competencies are important. You know, and if you're a sound engineer talking to a recruiter about, for example, a customer support role, there's no reason why you can't turn around and say, look, I understand the technology. Look at what I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the kit I have. Look at the people that I've worked with. I have good communication skills. These are essential for this role. Listen to me. Look at how I talk. You know, I come across well on the phone. 
this is what this role is all about, is providing technical support predominantly over the telephone. You need a good customer service ethic. Look at the environments that I've worked in. Look at how hard, how demanding they've been. Look how I've gone the extra mile to keep everybody happy. You know, this is what a good customer service agent does. This is what I do, and this is why you should be considering me for this role. It's a loose example, but I, I hope you get the point. That's really good. Yeah, I think I'll just write that down and say those exact things whenever the situation comes up. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, it would be great to have, I can imagine that it would be great to have some scripts like that so that people could actually prepare because it's a different situation, you know, when you're, it's different but similar. I mean, when you're talking to clients and trying to sell them on your services, it's a little bit different than talking to a company who you want a job with. So you're still trying to sell yourself, but it feels like different language. It is, I think, to an extent. Um, but you, you, you're still trying to create you know, a, you know, the same sort of impression. And, and what I mean by that, if you, if you look at what we do um, when we talk to um, job seekers about writing a good resume, I always say that what you want to do is you want the reader to read it or, or quickly skim read it because I don't think many people read it from start to end mm -hmm. at the very, very first, the very first time. But you want them to think, wow, look what this guy's done. Imagine what he could do here. Mm -hmm. you, know, you create that impression, you, know, you create that reaction in the reader, then you've got an interview. Now, I think from your perspective, you need to create a similar but maybe different um, impression. And that's, wow, you know, look who these guys worked with. Look at the problems that he's had. Look how he's overcome them. This guy's reliable. He's a safe pair of hands. I can engage him, and I know that everything is going to be fine. And, you know, it's, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, and if you can create that sort of impression – um, you know, however you do that, whether that's through a resume, whether that's through a telephone conversation, then, you know, then the job is almost half done. But it's that, it's that initial impact, I think, that you need to create. Um, and I think that's the same whether you're looking for a permanent position, whether you're looking for a contract position, whether you're a sound engineer, or whether you're, you know, a sales executive working for a pro, -word, pro audio company somewhere in the world. Tell me about some of the common characteristics you see between successful job applicants. Was it education or a certain kind of experience they had? I think it's a combination of both, but I think one of the most important um, characteristics is, is, is enthusiasm and, and passion. There are people, there are I think two types of people out there that apply for jobs. Um, there are those that apply for jobs because they're a job. And fair enough, you know, we all have to put food on the table, we all have bills to pay. You know, it would be nice if the bills stopped coming in when you weren't working, you know, but <laughs> they don't. But, um, but, you know, there are people that apply for a job because it's a job. And there are people that apply for a job because it's what they are and it's what they really enjoy. You know, there's a, there's a well-used phrase, um, you know, out, out in the world, find a job that you enjoy and never do another day's work again. And 
I think it's the latter. It's that sort of person that is more successful. Because enthusiasm, enthusiasm is contagious, you know, and it comes across in your body language and the way that you speak. And in my experience, when employers ring me and say, Paul, this candidate hasn't got the job because, and it's invariably one of two things, either their experience isn't quite right, or they just didn't really convey that enthusiasm or passion for the role, you know, and the client really wasn't bought into maybe their, you know, their, their true reasons for applying for the role. But I guess that leads on to sort of one final thing, and certainly this is in terms of interview, that it's not always the best candidate that gets the job. It's invariably the best prepared candidate that gets the job. Hmm. You could be, you know, the best engineer in the world. But if you can't convince the employer of that, they're never, they're never going to hire you. So, you know, you do need to think about, okay, well, you know, when I've spoken, Warren, I've, I've approached prospective clients, you know, for work. What objections have I had in the past? How have I overcome them? Could I have overcome them better? You know, what are they traditionally looking for? How do I start my pitch? What do I say? You know, how do I then overcome any questions? And then how do I overcome any questions that are asked as a result of these questions? So you plan, if you like, two or three levels down, you know, into the conversation. You need to convince them that you're the best person for that job. If you don't, you'll never get anywhere, even if you are that best person. It's the best prepared candidate that gets the job, not the best candidate. Could you say anything about how to prepare? Do you ever do you ever work with job applicants and give them, say, uh, a trial interview to get them ready for some of the questions they might be ready for? I mean, I'm asking you that, and at the same time realizing that there's probably lots of information about how to prepare for an interview online. But do you do anything specific that seems to work for you and your clients? Well, you know, it, it, it's a funny question because... In my experience, there are job seekers that are very, very serious about preparing for an interview, and there are others that are so supremely confident of, the, of, their, of their brilliance that, that they don't bother, and they normally walk into an interview and don't do as well as they think. Preparation really is key, and we work with job seekers as much as they need to, to help them. Um, you know, perform the best that they can at the interview. But of course, we can't go in and do the interview for them. You know, that's, um, you know, that's down to them. And generally, sort of what we do say is, you know, is think about the role. Look at the job description if it's being provided to you or think about, you know, the core competencies that are going to be important to the client. And think about your experiences in these areas. And if you have... Um, you know, examples that you can give to highlight the work that you've done in these areas, um, then, then you know, think about those before you go in and make sure that you can give examples. Um, it's a common known uh, methodology called STAR, which is situation, task, action, and result. So, for example, if someone asks about your um, problem-solving skills, you may relay, you know, a very short anecdote about a problem that you had, what you had to do to fix it, and you know what the outcome was. So by giving examples of direct 
situations that address the core competencies that they're looking for, you're proving to them that you can do the job. And if you sit in an interview having not thought about this, you'll spend more time umming and ahhing or getting it wrong than you will actually giving them proper information. So it's always good before an interview to think about situations that you've been in that are relevant to the role, what problems you had, and how you overcome them. So you can demonstrate that you are the person for the job. Um, and there's lots of other little things that you can do. You know, you can sit down with a peer and run through some interview questions. There's plenty of interview hints and tips on the internet, like you said, um, the do's and don'ts, you know, how to answer the strengths and weaknesses questions, um, what to dress like, how to, uh, you know, cover things like, you know, nervous hands, you know, if, if you tend to be a little bit nervous. There's lots of things that sort of we can do, you know, as an agency to work with a job seeker to make sure they're as prepared as possible. But they need to want to do that. And, you know, there are many, unfortunately, job seekers that don't. And invariably, those are the ones that don't perform as well and don't get the job. In terms of preparing, one of the best things I've ever done for myself is just to sit down and brainstorm situations where I have solved problems. Because I find that just the way my brain works, those are the hardest things for me to think of on the spot. So in an interview or just having a conversation with someone, if they say, um, oh, well, tell me how you've fixed a problem in the middle of a live show. Uh, I might have to think about it for a little while, but I know that in an interview, I definitely don't want to hesitate. I want to know immediately. So if I at least sit down and write those out the night before, they're going to be in my brain and be accessible much more quickly. Absolutely. And this comes back to star situation, task, action, and result. You're displaying your ability in the core competencies for the role. And if you can give a number of examples of that that are very relevant to the role that you're um, applying for, then you dramatically increase your chances of being successful. It doesn't guarantee your success, but it would certainly substantially increase your chances of being considered. Sound Design Live produces free audio podcast interviews with industry experts product reviews of pro audio books, hardware, and software, and tutorials and articles on sound engineering, sound design, and sound system design and optimization. Subscribe today at sounddesignlive.com or by searching for Sound Design Live in iTunes or SoundCloud. As an agency, we are still a relatively young agency. We are mainly UK, sort of European-based at the moment, but we are being sort of sucked across the pond uh, on a more regular basis as US, um, you know, employers realize that, you know, that we're out there, you know, and as a specialist, you know, pro audio or entertainment and event technology recruiter, that we can help them. Mm -hmm. And what we're looking for, I guess, is, you know, is help from your listeners in, you know, spreading the word. The more reach that we have, you know, the more opportunities that we can bring onto our books, I would hope then, you know, the more opportunities that we will have for people to apply for. So ultimately, it's a win-win situation. So I would certainly encourage people to look at our blog, um, jobs-in-audio.com. Um, send their resume to us if they're interested in sort of registering with us and say, spread the word, you know, let everyone know that we're out here. Because, you know, who knows what the next phone call or email may bring. 
it could be that contract or that permanent vacancy that is just for you. Sound design. Hey, this is Nathan. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed this episode of Sound Design Live, rate it, rate it. on iTunes or send it to a friend. Bye.